Welcome to the Manifestation Bay podcast. My name is Katherine Zinkina, and I'm a manifestation expert, master mindset coach, and multiple seven-figure entrepreneur. I'm obsessed with helping you achieve everything that you once thought was impossible. If you're looking to massively up-level your life, your finances, your relationships, your productivity and success, then you have come to the right place. My goal in this podcast is to help you see the infinite potential within yourself to be, do, and have anything that your heart desires. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of mindset development to help you maximize who you are and where you're going. Leave it to me to provide you with the tools, the resources, the strategies, and teachings that you need to manifest a reality wilder than your wildest dreams. I know we're about to have so much fun together, so thank you so much for pushing play today, and now let's begin. If 2024 is the year for you to get rich and make money a pleasurable and enjoyable, easy, soft, feminine experience for you, I'm about to give you the formula to make that happen. If you feel like money is just ruling your life and you're finding yourself overwhelmed by the inconsistency of how it shows up for you, listen up because I'm about to change everything for you. You're about to tap into sovereign money where you become the queen, the authority, the commander of how money shows up for you, where money responds to you and not the other way around. The new feminine way of manifesting millions is here. And no, it doesn't require late nights, starting a second business, waking up before seven in the morning, or working any harder than you already do. In fact, you'll probably find yourself working much less because money doesn't respond to hard work anyway. It responds to your vibration. My brand new money manifestation program, Sovereign Money, is designed to help you reclaim your birthright to infinite wealth, rewire your archaic money beliefs for good, expand your capacity to receive, and manifest money on your command. If this sounds like something you're ready to step into, Sovereign Money is relaunching soon and you can get on the wait list so that you don't miss a single update right now. Go to manifestationbabe.com slash SM. Again, that's manifestationbabe.com slash SM, S for sovereign, M for money to sign up for the waitlist right now. Hello, my beautiful souls, and welcome back to another episode of the Manifestation Babe podcast. Today's special guest is one that has been here before, but is back for more because when I tell you this man changed my life, This man changed my life. Dr. John Connolly, the founder of Rapid Resolution Therapy, is back for part two to talk all about the purpose of emotions, why they exist, how the unconscious mind processes them, and what fear, anger, guilt, shame, jealousy, and grief, you might be familiar with these emotions, maybe, maybe not, right, is from the rapid resolution therapy perspective. I'm telling you, this perspective does not exist anywhere else. It blows my mind every time I hear it from the rapid resolution therapy uh, perspective. And it is totally a different way to thinking about and looking at how the mind processes information 
and more importantly, how to clear the way it's been processing information. You may not agree with some of the things that Dr. Connolly says, especially since he really challenges traditional psychology and traditional therapy and things like that. But I would just encourage you to have an open mind and just listen, take it in, see what has value, see what doesn't, and then ultimately take it with you or leave it. There's literally no hard feelings whatsoever. A lot of you have also been asking me, but Catherine, why isn't Dr. Connolly going into the exact how of RRT in these episodes? How? How does it work? Well, not how it works, but just like how exactly do we clear the stuff? That's because RRT is ultimately experiential. It is something that has a massive effect in the experience itself. You have to experience it for yourself and go through the processes, which are tailored to and unique to the individual to experience the effects of RRT. RRT is something that I've personally been adding into my programs lately so that all my students can experience it for themselves and use it to rewire their unconscious, depending on the topic that we're talking about. And I also highly encourage you, if you are a coach like me and you love to get certified in different modalities, to get trained in this modality. There's actually a training coming up on January 17th, which is really, really soon, which I will drop in the show notes where you can take the four-week introductory training. I believe it's called Utilizing and Understanding Rapid Resolution Therapy to bring this modality into your toolkit. I'm telling you, it's going to rapidly transform the way that your clients, your students, your whomever, mastermind members, um, clear whatever it is that is coming up for them. It's just going to be gone. It's going to be something that revolutionizes how fast you can get uh, results for these people. You can actually get 25% off of the training using my code. It's Catherine, K-A-T-H-R-I-N, Catherine 25. That's two five. So Catherine 25 in all caps. I'll also put that in the show notes. Don't you worry. And no, I don't get a dime for this. I get absolutely nothing. It is not an affiliate code. It is literally just a discount extended solely to you. I personally love this episode because some of the things that Dr. Connolly shares in here has helped me completely clear myself of emotions like fear, anger, guilt, et cetera, simply from hearing what they are and how they function in the mind and body. So without further ado, let's dive in because this one goes deep. All right, Dr. Connolly, since the last episode that we did together, I've had what, like three or four or more sessions with you? what can I say? I'm addicted to the shifts that you have brought into my life. You've helped me clear things so fast. It's actually been insane. How are you the magician that you are? I feel like I need to know, everyone needs to know, like, how do you do what you do? It's insanely so quick, so fast. I don't know if you remember, um, there's a couple memories that I brought up to you from childhood. One being my English teacher, telling me that I'm a horrible storyteller. And I carried that with me for so long, used so many modalities. I'm trained in so many modalities, John, and I've brought them all to this specific fear, specific memory. There's memories that I have of public speaking. And I literally grew up thinking that I was a horrible public speaker and that people just laugh at me and laugh at my voice. And there you are, you come into my life and you just clear all of it in a single freaking session. 
Holy crap. My goodness. <laughs> now you went and made me feel good again. Good. Good. You just keep doing that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I, wanna... I don't know what you're trying to do, but I know what you're actually doing. And you <laughs> damn it keep making me feel good. So I I I'm gonna like totally be there for you more than you want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you you you've un uh, you've unleashed the monster here. You oh rubbed the lamp, and you don't know what's about to pop up in front. Be careful what you wish for. Anyway, um, it, what what I'm the way I'm approaching stuff. It's no, I I don't think it's me being a magician at all. I um I I think that the way I'm approaching things is radically different than the way that people in the mental health industry are are taught to approach things so and different like wildly that, different yeah 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 and that's why we just get, get places faster more quickly let me can i point out like a difference that comes to mind right away in talking yeah yeah, of course. Um, when people people in the mental health industry actually don't think they're supposed to get people who they're with better, mm. they don't. I think you're going to piss people they, off with that statement, but I love it. Keep going. Well, but they don't. Have you ever? I mean, you know people all over the world. How many uh, psychologists, social workers, counselors, how many licensed mental health professionals have shared with you that um, they didn't get you or somebody else better because they didn't have the skill to do it? I have to say a big difference, like I've heard you talk about this in your trainings, and I started working with a therapist um, shortly before I met you, maybe by like a month or two. And I did um, EMDR as well as a couple other things. And then I, you know, Andrea finally convinced me to sign up for an RRT training. And then I decided to do one-on-one sessions with you. And I noticed how light and free and unstoppable I would feel after a rapid resolution therapy session. And I just accepted that as my new norm. Like it's just, I'm going to go see John or I'm going to go see Andrea, who's also trained in RRT or anyone else who's trained in RRT. And I'm just going to get better right away. And I remember going back to my therapist for um, some couple stuff with my husband. And I noticed how I started off the session because I've, I was in such a good place. I started off the session in such a great place, basically said, everything's amazing. Here's all the progress we've made. Here's how much better our relationship has been in the last two weeks or however long it's been. And I noticed that by the end of the session, there were certain questions that were being asked to kind of like resurface the past. And re basically, I went from being feeling completely clear and free to the end of the session feeling totally resentful towards my husband and leaving that session having that anger in me all over again towards the situation that I felt clear about initially and I was like wait what the fuck is happening here this is not how it's supposed to go I feel 
worse leaving this session than when I started. And now I feel like I need more sessions to feel better. <laughs> like I either yeah, need more yeah. sessions to feel better or I just need to stick with RRT because I'm not feeling good in any other modality right now except for RRT. What, what, well, now we've got the point you made and the point I made in there, and they're, they're, they're sort of run neck and neck, but they're a little different. What I'm hearing from you is that um, one difference here is that with this process, rapid resolution therapy, you end up actually feeling um, uh, happy and good as a result of treatment. Right. And, and yay on that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm saying that it's not, no, it's not that I'm a magician. I mean, that's sweet. It's that one big difference is I think that if I meet with you, it's my job to get you better. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that if you don't get better, it's because I didn't have the skill to do it effectively. Right. I think it's my job. And if I get it done, it's because I had the skill. And if I don't get it done, it's because I didn't have the skill. And then I would intend to become more skilled. And I believe that in the um, mental health industry, and by the way, in the education industry, they run neck and neck in that it's never the teacher's fault or the therapist's fault. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe that too. Therapists have resistant patients that weren't, that lacked motivation or weren't ready for change. Mm -hmm. they, they don't have, uh, well, I didn't do a good job with her. Right. No, she was resistant. She wasn't really ready for change. And then it's up to you to get better. Um, but I'm certainly here to support you and provide you with a safe place in which it's up to you to get yourself better. Um, John, when there's so resistance, is that like an un... Are we like in the from the RRT perspective, if there is resistance, is it just the unconscious resistance then? Like, is it the way that the unconscious is just rejecting certain information? Because I remember from the like RRT perspective, there is no resistance. So if there is no okay. Because I remember in your training, so you would talk a, about I mean, that's a big difference, don't you think? It's it is a big there difference. There is no resistance. But hold on. In your trainings, you're talking about how in your <laughs> in your in your trainings, you talk about how like, you know, the way that you would utilize um, like languaging patterns and how you would talk to a client is so that their unconscious doesn't reject anything so that the unconscious agrees. And that yes, way you more yes. easily get into the unconscious. So that's what I mean by like, if there is resistance, if there is that rejection, is it then like just no, the way that no we're communicating? Okay. <laughs> if, so, so you tell me a joke uh -huh. and you say, and then, and then that's what happened. What do you think? And I say, well, what do you mean? Well, wasn't that funny? Well, um, I didn't get it. No, it mm -hmm. wasn't funny to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? It, does that mean that you didn't do a good job as a comedian 
or I or I did a bad job as an audience. Mm. And if I'm training you to be a comedian and you're up there and people aren't laughing, yeah, it's the you comedian. didn't have the skill to get the room to laugh. Got now it. you can say, well, everybody was tired. Everybody just broke up. Everybody's uh, parents just died that morning. Maybe everybody was drunk and couldn't pay attention, but you didn't get them to laugh. Mm-hmm. And if I meet with somebody and they don't get better, I didn't get them to get better. And so that's such a huge difference because, of course, people are going to get better faster if they see people who think it's their job to get them better. That's true. I want to go. I want to go into. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 you blew it. (laughs) We (laughs) talked about like John is very similar to me where once we start talking, we can go into lecture mode and not shut up for five hours. So he kind of asked me to help him guide this episode and gently interrupt him if I want to go into specific topics. So I'm going to go ahead. You just forgot the freaking gentle part. (laughs) Go ahead. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Um, I want to dive into something that everyone can relate to that I remember making a promise in the part one of our episode together, which I will link in the show notes so you guys can catch up on that episode um, to make more sense of like John's history and more about RRT and more about um, some of the stuff that you already started to talk about, John. But I want to go into like the meat and potatoes of emotions there are emotions that you touch on in your sessions, in your trainings that you just talk about in general that from the RRT perspective just blew my mind. Like we all hear about anger and fear and guilt and shame and grief in the personal development world. These are topics that are constantly being talked about. People are going to life coaches, going to therapists, mental health professionals to help them cope and deal with these emotions. And you are someone who has figured out a way to see these emotions. And I think such a refreshing, a new, just unheard of perspective. So I want to talk about each of these. I want to like break them down and just talk about like, how can people go about beginning the process of clearing them, of just not being held back by them anymore. So what, from your perspective, is exactly, let's start with fear, okay? Because fear is a number one reason why a lot of people don't go after what they want when it comes to, like, my work, manifestation. A lot of people I'm, feel fear. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go right into fear. But first, I want to connect yeah. all of them together for a moment and Please. say that the way that people think about emotions, the normal way to think about emotions is situationally, meaning why is that guy so angry? Oh, well, that other guy just shoved him. Mm-hmm. Or even why is she so nervous on her date with this guy? He seems so sweet. Yes, but she had gone out with a different guy previously who became really abusive. Mm-hmm. And and either one would be an appropriate answer to the question. Why is she nervous? Why is he angry? Um, I'm going to suggest a different view than normal. I'm going to suggest that all emotions are being caused by the individual who's experiencing it. So if I'm afraid, my mind caused the fear. 
if you're pointing a gun at me saying in a few seconds i'm going to kill your ugly ass um and i'm afraid <laughs> my mind caused the fear mm -hmm. if my mind wasn't there you could be pointing guns at me all day i wouldn't be afraid so right. I don't want to think that your gun caused my fear. I don't want to think that the world caused your emotion. I don't want to think that your frickin' history is causing your emotion. Because if I think your history is causing your emotion, Catherine, then the best I'm going to do for you is give you a big hug and tell you how frickin' sorry I am. That's so true. It keeps you thinking that you Boy, have to go in the past. Up, that would not make you a happy camper. No. <laughs> no, like going, no. It, it makes, it, it, it creates stuckness where you feel like you need to go in the past to change the past, which is impossible. Yes. Or even the present, like your current relationship or your current job or your current situation. Um, let's think. And I'm just giving it as a way of thinking. I don't know what the hell is true. People can't agree with it, but I can give you a point of view. Let's have the point of view that the emotion is being caused by the person who's experiencing its unconscious <coughs> mind. We can't consciously, purposely cause emotions. It's being caused by the mind outside of awareness. And the purpose is always to serve the individual who's experiencing it. Can we start with that premise? And then I can go into <coughs> fear, anger, whatever you want me to touch on. But can we touch on it from that it's being caused within the individual feeling it? In other words, when, when lion is chasing zebra, zebra's mind is reading the info coming in from zebra's senses and zebra's mind is causing zebra to be focused, alert, strong. That's fear. Zebra's mind caused the fear, mm -hmm. not the lion. If we will th can think that way together, then I can answer on these individual emotions for you. But the reason that I want to think that way. I'm not telling you it's true, but the reason I want to think that way is because if you come to see me and you're feeling jealous. Yeah. Um, jealousy is a big Q&A question for you, actually, from my jealous, people. Um, and I and I say, what what what's going on? And you say, well, what's going on is my uh, husband's head almost falls off. He screws around having to see anybody who's a female um, as if I wasn't there. That would make, that's what makes me jealous. And if I think so, then I have to do something with the way his head moves. Mm. And what if I, what if I, you didn't bring him? Right. He's not there. What can I do about it? Right. Um, but if I believe the jealousy is being produced by your mind. Guess what? You brought it with you. Right. So that puts it within the realm of something I can do something about. And I think it's my job to get you in better shape. So I like to think about things as things I can do something about. Right. 
something that really landed for me in the zebra and lion example is like it's in actually in lion's best interest to make zebra lazy and not like it's not it's not the lion causing the fear in the zebra because from the lion's best interest it's for zebra to be lazy and not feel free and not start running so that lion can eat zebra yeah, really relaxed fast. and comfortable exactly so the lion can well, have it makes them even lunch. more tender to eat Exactly. Exactly. So it's zebra's mind causing an action, causing an emotion to cause an action so that zebra would survive. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I love that. So, so you asked me before about fear. Right. Go ahead. Well, let's get into it. Why is it not All sacred? Right. <laughs> Why well, is Greek. fear? Uh, <laughs> but fear isn't <laughs> sacred either. Um I don't think but, any of them um, are sacred, but yes, I get your no, point. No, not so much. But some of them are treated as if they are. And right. certainly grief is. Hence, I have my most recent book is Grief is Not Sacred. I'm really wanting to question that and get people out of pain there. Um, yeah, which we'll get into grief. An emotional, an emotional physiological response to perceived threat designed to make the animal more likely to survive so when a rabbit becomes afraid one thing that happens is um, the rabbit's body dramatically changes so the rabbit has become a much faster rabbit in other words a rabbit who's afraid can easily outrun herself when she wasn't afraid Mm -hmm. So actually, fear causes strength, enabling that animal to run quicker than it would otherwise physiologically be able to, not for a long, long time, but for quick enough to get away from something. Mm -hmm. So that's the purpose of fear. So what goes on? Um, circulation, heartbeat goes what? Up, you know that. Heart pounds when you're afraid. What else goes up? Breathing. People breathe quicker when they're afraid. Why? More oxygen, more energy. So you've got the heart beating faster, more oxygen coming in. Guess what else happens? Um, sugar is released into the bloodstream. Why? For energy. So what's going on now? The heart is beating fast, moving the oxygen and the fuel to the muscles of the legs so that the running can be faster and quicker and better, which is about whether or not you're going to be dead if, if, if you're that zebra, right? It, it's, it's not a preference. Yeah. It's whether or not you're going to be dead. So it does all of that stuff to make sure that that animal has the best chance of surviving a predator so fear is primarily to get the animal away from a predator a predator is another animal that has an interest in eating the first animal alive mm -hmm. so and that's so, what fear is for and so in humans like we feel fear but yes. we're not regularly running away from lions we feel fear when we step on stage or when we put ourselves out there or when we yeah, deal yeah. with money or, you know, just like daily life stuff, putting ourselves outside of our comfort zone. 
So what can we do about fear when we feel it? Like what, what, what's the point then, you know? Well, um, well, one question would be if we're going to deal with it, does it have some value? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Can you tell me a value that fear has in your life? In the past, I would have told you long before coming into your world that fear would have kept me focused on like doing the right thing or focused on not making a mistake or not screwing up or something like that. But now I know that fear why, takes away. Why, from... why, why do you disagree with that? Why do I disagree with that? A lot of that? people might think that. Yeah, now you disagree with yeah, that. Yeah, because I've, you've, you've helped me come to realize that fear actually all it does is sends energy to my legs so I can run faster, but it takes away energy right. from intuition, from logic, from intellect, from creativity, from the stuff that actually would help me be a better performer, that would actually help me be more strategic when it comes to um, my finances, for example, or in my relationship or whatever area of life it is. Like if I don't have my intellect, my logic, my, my um, like strategy, if I don't have creativity, if I don't have intuition and I just have really fast legs, is that actually serving me in any way, shape or form unless there actually is a lion chasing me? Yeah. Well, that's what, that's right. That, that's, I, I mean, that's what I think. I, I, I absolutely agree with, with 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 the way you put it that it's simple and elegant and that's it so fear is what enabled our ancestors who were out running predators to survive and reproduce so we have a healthy dose of an ability to have it because if our great grandparents didn't have it we wouldn't have been able to survive because mm -hmm. they had to survive and they had to run from things literally not mm -hmm. metaphorically literally run from things and if you're running from something chasing you it's, you're running from a rabid dog um <laughs> you will run faster yeah it will be good to be afraid right but but if you if you count up how many times you've been afraid in the past 10 years and how many of those times you were actually trying to outrun a predator, um, um, probably it's like zero mm -hmm. or if it's or, or, or close to zero. So I think um, let's understand one fear is being caused by the mind of the person experiencing it. And two, it's, um, I believe, worse than useless. Yeah, I agree. How how does RT then clear fear, for example? Well, so it's my job to get you in better shape. So as I begin to notice that there's fear that has um, 
been working against your life being its best. Um, it's not trying to. It's trying to keep you alive. That's what it's trying to do. But if we notice that it's having the opposite effect, well, one thing that's going to go on is as I meet with you, I'm going to really listen and pay attention to understanding whatever you think I should know in order that um, I, I understand your experience and your perspective on it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to ask you a lot of questions um, about things that I might be curious about. I'm going to ask this question. Catherine, what should I understand? Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, which is how our sessions go in the beginning. And, and I just want to know what you think I should understand about it. So that's one. Because it's like Two, how my I, mind is processing. So you're not putting yeah. interpretation on what is bothering me, what you think is bothering me. I'm just literally telling you what has been bothering me. Like yeah. I've been feeling fear in this area of my life. Like specifically, we went back to me doing a presentation in front of my class when I was like in fourth, third or fourth grade or something like that. And I've had a fear, like an insane fear of public speaking ever since then. And um, I've worked on it for many, 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 many years. I've definitely cleared it on some levels, but not on the deepest unconscious levels like we did together. And all I had to do was just say, hey, I'm feeling fear around this. And you helped me, you helped take my mind to the exact moment to where this fear really um, like seeped in, like really started where it originated and then helped me clear it from that moment. Yeah, we, we, we got the mind to pinpoint first. So it's my job to cause your mind to pinpoint what would be cleared for you to be having your mind work what I would call optimally. Yeah. Um, and then it's my job to clear it. It's my job to clear it. So I'm not... Uh, in other words, if I'm really afraid of something, Catherine, mm -hmm. and I call you, and I say, you got a few minutes for me. I'm shook up by this thing. John, what is it? Um, uh, I, 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 I'm really scared that I'm about to get into this situation. I'm going to mishandle it. And I, I, I feel like my emotions are going to take over and throw me off course. Mm -hmm. I would call you and say that to you. I would call you and say that to you. Right. Now, why would I ask you? when I already understand this stuff. In fact, you only understand it because you understand what I'm thinking because I've explained it to you. So I knew it before you, probably know it a little better than you. Why the hell would I ask you if it was happening to me? Because you're going to do a whole lot better job than me. Mm -hmm. Why would you do better than me? Because you have some distance so you know what? Even yeah. if you're pretty good, if you're a pretty good hairstylist, I think I probably could give you a better haircut than you could give yourself. That's so true. And and 
if you're a really good massage therapist, let's say you, you probably are, you're probably really good at giving massages, but you know what? As good as you think you are, I can give you a hell of a lot better back rub than you can give you. This is so true. And this is why to all my listeners, I always recommend working with somebody who is not yourself on your own shit, because the way that your blind spots can be noticed by somebody else is like, you can stay stuck in, I, I, I stay stuck in my own issues for such a long time. And then finally I'm like, wait a second. I need a, I need to work with a coach. I need to work with an RT therapist. I need to work with John. I need to work with somebody who can just help me point out like what's going on. Somebody who's not me. Somebody who's not me, who's not just <laughs> yeah. in me, in my, you know, my repetitive thoughts that are just not thinking about right. the issue in a new, unique, strategic way. So that, yeah, that's so true. It's the best investment you can make that's, is like working with someone else. Yeah. That's why it makes me so crazy when when, when, when the people in the mental health industry are telling people it's their job to do it, it's kind of like I'm, I'm a good physical therapist. I'm an excellent massage therapist. I meet with you and I tell you it's, it, it's, it's your job to give yourself a really good back rub. Right. It's not. Oh, my gosh. You this can't is making so enough. much sense. You can't be good enough to do that. So one of the reasons you said, what's what's the magic? Part of the magic is based on that. At least I know if you're with me and you're troubled about something, that it's my job to fix it. That gives me a significant advantage over how it used to be in my mind, which was when I was told everybody's supposed to fix themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I might not be very good at cleaning the room, but I can clean it a little better if I realize it's my job to clean it. <laughs> 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 so freaking true. And so that's 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 a start, and it's coming from I can I can see the way your unconscious is operating, probably better than you can. Yep. In other words, if you take your hand and you hold it six inches away from your face, notice the detail you can see. In, in in the skin mm -hmm. and and move it even closer like half you'll be able to see even more detail mm -hmm. and now move it again um uh half as close right and and you started to just notice that you're losing detail and now move yeah. it closer yeah and you said dude now i can't see anything Oh my I can't gosh. see my hand. I can't see the skin. I can't see a thing. This um, is so good. You're so good with well, metaphors. Really? I can still see your hand. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's not in your face. My hand is in my <laughs> face. How am I supposed to see it when it's in my face? So, so that's why I can tell you, hey, Catherine, this is something I'm a little nervous about. I told you that right before we started. Mm -hmm. I said, I said, I'm excited to do this with you. I have one concern. And you said, let's have it. And I told you what it was and you made it go away. Mm -hmm. took, took, it took you almost a full sentence to make it go away, but you made it go away. Right. You, you didn't hand me a mirror. And said, right. well, why don't you examine yourself? Right. Um, 
you made it go away. I said, I'm afraid I might do this and I don't want to make this mistake and cause this reaction. And you said, oh, well, look at it this way. I said, oh, yeah, thanks. I'm done. Yeah. I want to say like in our sessions together, there's just one sentence you'll say or just the way that you'll say something or a metaphor you will use, which, you know, uh, that's like how the unconscious communicates is through metaphors, symbolism, um, uh, colors, and specificity. and specificity. Thank you. Specificity. So yeah, it, like you'll just say one thing and I'm like, huh? Okay. And I want to say like what makes RT and correct me if I'm wrong, like even like go on, on an even deeper level is then you'll also bring in elements, which you do have trainings around this of hypnosis. Like, I know mm-hmm. you'll put me under hypnosis, but it won't be like the normal because I'm trained. I'm also trained in hypnotherapy and it's not like these long induction methods where it's like we're re- getting relaxed for like half an hour before you start giving my unconscious mind commands. You are putting me into this to this state within just like 20 seconds, 10 seconds, sometimes 30 yes. seconds. And then what you're communicating to my unconscious is just the perfect thing that I need to hear in order for me to experience a shift. And then you bring me out and you ask me, how is it? And I'm like, whoa, it's either fully cleared or half cleared or a little bit cleared or mostly cleared. And you're like, great, well, we're not done yet. And then you'll use like this toolbox that you have of all the different tools that you teach on in your trainings, in your certification, which people can sign up for and take. And I recommend this for all coaches because it's just, it's such a powerful toolkit. Like I have implemented RT into a program that I run, ran last week and I have never had so many testimonials from people telling me that they have literally manifested what they wanted out of the program. Not even like the program hasn't even ended yet and they're already having the biggest breakthroughs of their life. And I'm just implementing simple things that you've taught me so far in RT. And I'm just like, wow, this is this is insane. And we're not experiencing deep traumas. We're not reliving anything while we're doing it. We're not feeling it to healing it. It's like we can laugh through the whole thing. We can just like most of the time in our sessions, I'm just laughing Um, and I'm just like smiling and I'm experiencing and I'm like mind blown and I'm looking around. I'm like, what are you doing to me, John? Like, what the fuck are you doing to me? This is insane. I literally cannot pinpoint that fear anymore. I cannot pinpoint that anger, that resentment, that jealousy, whatever it is that I bring to you. It's literally not there. And I want as many people as possible to experience this modality. And I know Andrea and I are like on the same mission now where we want this shit to blow up, especially in the coaching industry, which is the only industry that I can speak for because it's the industry that I'm in. And I just, I think it's such a game changer. So I know we can talk about, you know, fear forever. Let's move on into anger. Is fear and anger similar? Hanging out with you makes me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know I'm filled with compliments for you, John, but I really well, do, it's not I really do mean them. I, 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 I just, you know, the way you talk, the things you illustrate things with your humor, the, 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 the little bit of profanity that gets sprinkled yes. in the whole thing just um, has me just like I smile till my face hurts. Great. When, when, I, when I talk to you. I um, love it. I love and, it. Um, and so I, I, 
I, I want to get there to anger, but uh, but before we get too lost in anger, let me tell you what pisses me off here, and that <laughs> is that this thing I'm complaining about around the mental health industry not taking responsibility for getting people better, another industry in which I feel just as strongly about uh, around the same issue is the educational industry. Mm. And um, I um, uh, remember hearing from uh, a gal I was uh, uh, um, assisting with some stuff. Mm-hmm. She, she, she had uh, two, two children. Her uh, husband was no longer living. She's working long hours looking to support things, hold things together in the household, doing a pretty damn good job, but none of it's easy. I mean, none of it is easy. Mm-hmm. And, and she called me up, uh, 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 unusually upset. And I said, what happened? And she said, oh, I, I got this phone call about, about my, my son earlier. And it just has me so troubled. And I said, is he okay? What happened? I thought it's a health issue, you know? Yeah. She, she, no. She said, um, they, um, they, they, they caught him hanging out in the bathroom um, with some other kids. Somebody was smoking. Um, I don't know that it was him. He says not, uh, apparently. I didn't talk to him about it yet, but they told me they, they, they caught him there. And he wasn't in class where he was supposed to be. Mm. And I said, so who called you? And, and she said, oh, well, somebody from the assistant principal's office called and let me know that, that I needed to be informed about his behavior. And, and I realized, you know, so there's a school principal, a very smart person, assistant principal. There's school social workers and many school guidance counselors. There are people with master's degrees in education, understanding not just the material, uh, in other words, not just understanding biology, if they treat biology, if they teach biology, but also understanding how do you transfer information? How do you educate? They have degrees in education, degrees in counseling, degrees in social work degrees in psychology in this school mm-hmm. and this kid is in the bathroom instead of class and they called this gal mm-hmm. his mother and and she said it's so upsetting i mean they they were really um uh troubled with me and told me that i i have to take some action here that mm-hmm. that uh, that you know they understand you know i'm sorry that you know your husband's no longer living but this is still your responsibility ma'am mm-hmm. i said call the principal tomorrow and and when he answers the phone say yes i'm really upset and that's why i'm calling you and when he says why Say, because when my husband, when my son came home from school yesterday, he didn't clean up after dinner. 
He just he just <laughs> sat there, you know, he brought his plate in front of the television and left it there on the freaking couch. And by the time I found it, he was already in bed. I didn't know whether to wake him up. I didn't bother. I just put the damn thing in the sink. But make sure that doesn't happen again. <laughs> wow, that's and a perspective shift. How the hell am I supposed to do that? He's oh not even here. Oh, yeah, I guess. I'm sorry. I guess that is too much for me to expect you to fix, even though you've got access to four psychologists eight social workers, 27 guidance counselors, and 130 people with master's degrees or doctorates in education. I really can't expect you to make sure that my kid puts his plate in the sink while he's home, can I? I apologize. Mm. I God, guess so I good. have to figure out his behavior when he's home. Oh, and by the way, I understand that you guys have to figure out some things about his behavior when he's there. And mm. I'm sure you'll do a good job with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really resonate with that because, you know, like we talked about in our session, I had an English teacher tell me he literally gave me back an essay after um, saying, like, you guys have to write a story or, or something like that. I forgot the exact assignment. I wrote a story about who knows what. And I got my paper back and I was excited to get it back because I thought I did a great job. And he just wrote, you're a horrible storyteller. This is a really boring story. And there was absolutely no coaching, no help, no constructive criticism, no suggestions given to me. It was just a blanket statement. And I never once questioned, like, maybe it was the teacher's fault that I was a horrible storyteller. Maybe it was on the teacher to... um incite creativity out of me and to help me uh, gain the skill set of being a great storyteller, not just to create a blanket statement and a label on me that I unconsciously carried with me for the rest of my life until literally last month or a couple weeks ago when you helped me clear it. I never once stopped to think about, wait a second, there's something backwards here. There's something off with this. It's not on me. This had nothing to do with me. Maybe it was the teacher who didn't do a great job. And that blew my mind. It shifted so much within me, John. Like I have literally never felt freer ever. Yeah. So to make you feel bad, you're lucky you didn't then call up and decide it was important for him to make your parents feel bad. Right. That you weren't a good, because that's the next step. Let's call and make her mother feel like she's not being a very adequate parent mm. because of the behavior in the school system. Mm -hmm. um, so how do people, um, uh, what, what happens in school? Well, what, one, one thing is you, 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 it's hard to fire teachers. Mm -hmm. they, they make it so that you get tenured or whatever and um you got to really screw up to get fired as a teacher mm -hmm. um and and unless you're in florida then you probably get fired if you say gay or something but um you you get um really you, you you'd have to really mess up it's not can and and the way that teachers inspire learning is is by bribing the person to listen and learn 
rather than thinking that it's their job to be interesting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I, I don't get the whole thing about instead of the teacher being told that she better find ways to interest and motivate these kids, the, 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 the kids are told that it's their job to learn this stuff and they'll get Fs and Ds if they don't and yeah. Bs and As if they do. Yeah. And, 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 and I mean, imagine you're in front of uh, big groups of um, people who you're influencing and are learning from you. But you're not thinking that it's your job to find ways to make them feel bad if they haven't learned enough from you. Right. Right. Or, or, or to send them rewards if they have. Right. Yeah, notice you're, you've got this great big plaque. Where'd you get that from? Oh, Catherine gave me that for rewarding me from paying attention when she was talking. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, 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 it's like ridiculous because <laughs> you get it if you're in front of a group of people and they're falling asleep. Um, you know, I mean, I'll hang out with you for a while and you can complain about how it was unfair that you were put in front of sleepy people. <laughs> but, but eventually we're going to come to, uh, hey, Catherine, apparently you didn't wake them up, huh? Right. Uh, so how are we going to wake people up rather than think that that it's unfair? That we have right. to talk to sleepy people. So I just think schools um, and mental health industry and educational industry are are depriving themselves of power when they're thinking that. The job of getting the job done is the job of the person, not them. Because then then they've lost their own power. So the first thing I would do around the question you asked about anger is if you told me you were angry at your husband because he made you jealous with whatever, then I get that it's my job to cause you to no longer be angry at him. Mm-hmm. It's my job to cause you to no longer be angry at him. And what is it's anger? It's my job to cause anger. Yeah, what is well, anger from the like arts perspective? It's an emotional, physiological response to a perceived threat. Some threats the animal would better run from. But some things are a different kind of threat. So let's say that um oh um m- m- mother zebra sees this uh, big bird of prey land near her baby zebra and uh and and starts to 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 peck him mm-hmm. mother zebra will feel angry mm-hmm. and the anger will cause her body to be prepared to lurch forward and bite hard. Mm-hmm. So she'll be able to bite 
harder than she would be able to bite, and she'll be able to get her mouth to where that bird is faster than she would be able to. So anger has made it possible for her to be more effective in protecting her bloodline, her young. Mm-hmm. Or, or when zebra sees another zebra trying to mount his mate, <laughs> he's pissed off about that. What does he do? Moves forward and bites that other zebra's butt harder than he would have otherwise been able to bite. And so that's what it's for. And anger is very useful. Next time you want to bite somebody's ass, I hope you're really pissed. Is is resentment in the same family? <laughs> is resentment and jealousy in the same family yeah, as anger? It's the same, same family. It's 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 um it's um it's worse, I think. Anger. So um if this guy is standing online. Somebody walks over, shoved them, and says, "Sorry, you'll have to wait. I'm important." <laughs> um, so while that's going on, he's angry, right? Right. He he meets with you a year and a half later, and says, "You know, I still keep thinking about that asshole pushing me out of line." Uh, that's resentment. Interesting. It doesn't so it's have the to past. be a year and a half. It, yeah. Ang- resentment is anger in retro. Mm. And so jealousy? If you're angry about something, a, a jealousy is, it generally shows up as, 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 as anger, fear, more anger. And of course, um, for, um, I mean, here's where it's useful it's, it's not good for Mr. Zebra. He's trying to get his bloodline out there. He Uh wants his descendants to be hanging out in a hundred years. Yeah. And and so he has this female zebra he likes. And then he sees another zebra, another male zebra, trying to mount that zebra. Uh Now, if that other zebra mounts that zebra... He's likely to get that zebra pregnant. Mm-hmm. And and this zebra is not going to be very good at getting her pregnant when she's already pregnant. Mm-hmm. So it's screwing up his plan. Right. It's not thinking about that, but that's what his his body mind is is programmed to do. Make sure there are um descendants uh-huh. protect the bloodline. Uh-huh. And so the anger was designed to cause him to take effective action and to be better at taking that action in order to protect the bloodline, uh, to protect his ability to um, impregnate that zebra. When Mother Zebra sees an eagle has landed and pecking her baby zebra, um, that's not working out so well for her. She wants that baby to have babies and then the babies to have babies. She doesn't want it, but you know what I mean? Her her biology is predisposed to cause that. So her senses take it in and her mind causes the anger. So she charges to bite the eagle and and protect the baby. Mm-hmm. That's what it's for. Yeah. So, so humans are useful. essentially, they're run by these like, 
all of these emotions that would have been useful in a different, I would say, like time era, like back yes, in the day. And were and were. Yeah. And now they're just not useful anymore because modern day life just doesn't need us to be running or biting people. <laughs> so if you see some uh, um, gal beginning to make some uh, moves uh, on your husband mm -hmm. and, and she's pretty damn attractive and pretty good at it. Uh-huh. How... How likely are you to um, put your teeth on her ass and, <laughs> and, and bite into her butt? Yeah, very unlikely. I mean, but what if she really batted her eyes and said, oh, you're so gooey sweet to him? I mean, then I would think it of... be good to be... I can think of other things to do and biting her ass. <laughs> I can think of other things to do, but I don't think I ever go to <laughs> biting her ass. <laughs> well, but anger will make you very good at biting her ass. Gotcha. But you know what? It won't make you good at hmm. what you said. I wouldn't be thinking about, I wouldn't be looking to bite her ass, but I'd be thinking of things. Well, not very well. Right. Because when you're angry, it lowers your ability to think creatively. Mm -hmm. So you might think of things, but they're not going to be your best stuff. Yeah. You'll, you'll think of them much more effectively when you're not angry. Because mm -hmm. anger is only going to make you able to do one thing better. <laughs> I never said it quite that explicitly to anybody. You must bring out the, <laughs> the devil in me. But th that's all. You know, if you're looking to actually bite her ass literally, if you're looking to sink flesh into this girl's butt, your teeth into her butt, that's what it's good for. But nothing else. Does it have any value for? And yet, my gosh, we have so many people out there telling angry. people they have a right to be angry. Yeah, they have a right to be angry, and it, anger right is just to be angry. Like, like how I've noticed this come up for me is like you know these are all preoccupations, as you as you say, like your terminology, and these preoccupations leak so much energy away from the things that really matter. And are important to you and assist you in um, thriving in life and being happy and at peace and feeling calm and creative You're and hard playful. You're hardwired that way. You're hardwired that way. Mm. That's that's not. Um, people think there's something wrong with them if that's the case. Look at when zebra sees um, uh, uh, her baby being attacked. Mm -hmm. How um, much is she aware of that she was sleepy? Right. Or hungry. Right. There's or no awareness. Or kind of frisky. Yeah. So it's supposed to overcome everything else. Yeah. It's supposed to. It's supposed to. It's supposed to be that when rabbit is running from wolf, she didn't even see carrots. 
Right. It's supposed to work that way. So if you're angry, it's supposed to eliminate joyfulness, passion, hunger. Um, it's supposed to eliminate creativity. It's supposed to eliminate logic and reason. It's supposed to make it so that your face is nice and red because your jaw is very strong. And if you have problems with bruxism, it's probably problems with anger. Bruxism meaning tooth grinding stuff, mm -hmm. which is so prevalent. Yeah. Um, so anger in, in my world is worse than useless no matter what we're looking to accomplish. Um, uh, I, I remember asking a, a, a guy who was, who was a, a cage fighter, you know, I mean, they lock a guy in a cage with another guy that's supposed to mutilate his body. I said, man, when that stuff starts happening, this guy's coming at you. I mean, how angry do you get? And he went, dude, oh, man, shut up. I better not get angry. Uh. I said, you're locked in a cage, and this guy is looking to hurt your body, right? He goes, yeah. I'm going to look to hurt his. I said, okay. But he comes and he, he he's looking to hurt you, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. So how angry do you want to be? I told you, man. I better not even be a little bit angry. Because that's cage fighting. Need, yeah, you need all your strategy in the cage. And if you're anger, yeah, yeah. if you're yes, angry, yes, you're not strategic. Yes, you nailed it. Yes, you nailed it. You got it exactly. Yes, I'm a good student. Yeah. Well, there, there it is. The the more you have the ability to be alert and strategic, the better off you'll be. And I would bring that all the way up to. If we hired an assassin, I mean, there's some people that probably the world would be better if we figured out how to make them dead. Um, <laughs> so let's say we, we decide to go half season on it and hire ourselves a good assassin. And and she's like top notch. I mean, she's got the best rifle that has ever been created. She's got it on a tripod. She, she, she's, she's got a scope. That's the world's finest scope. I mean, she's got a thing to measure the wind and the effect it might have on the bullet. Uh -huh. She's aiming at something about a quarter of a mile away. And this is the person that we've hired her to make dead, you know, and she's mm -hmm. all set up there. And pretty soon she's going to be ever so gently squeezing that trigger. How angry do you want her to be when she's squeezing the trigger, looking through that scope? Right. Not at all. Not one freaking bit. So I would suggest we can even kill people better if we're not mad at them. <laughs> There's speaking of, you know, how angry do you want her to be? There is an emotion that you absolutely blew my mind around, which is guilt. And yes. there is a question you ask in your trainings, which is, you know, if, if, uh, if there's a surgeon about to operate on you, how guilty do you want them to feel? And I was like, damn, okay. And then in your trainings, you talked about how there's two things that people think guilt has value for. And you shared 
how actually it's the opposite. Guilt holds no value. But a lot of people are convinced that guilt prevents people from doing bad things or guilt is going to keep them making the right choices versus the wrong choices. And there's a perspective that you share from the RRT perspective that I think a lot of people can benefit from. Can you please go into guilt? Because I think that there's so many people that feel guilt around creating a better life for themselves, guilt around having more than other people, having more money. Like, how am I supposed to have more success when other people are suffering or other people are struggling or or I did something bad and I'm a bad person, so I don't deserve X, Y, Z. I mean, guilt just runs so rampant in people's lives. And I want to help them see guilt from a from a completely changed perspective. Can you please go yes. into that? So let's look at guilt. Let's look at shame. Let's yes. look at regret. Yes. Um, and let's we'll do just it. define them. Please. Um, so I regret. Um, I, I, I play the same number in lotto every week, but last week I got lazy and forgot to pick up my lotto ticket and guess what number one, that number. I mm. regret not having purchased last week's lotto ticket. That's mm-hmm. regret. And I'm feeling that I wish something had been different previously because of its effect on me. Mm-hmm. Let's use guilt to mean I wish something I had done or not done previously because of how that affected you. Mm-hmm. So I feel guilty because I didn't water my plant or forget to feed my baby or whatever. Right. Um, so, and then shame is a whole other one. But pick one of those for me because then we can narrow it a bit okay so the only people that would feel guilty about the effect that their actions have had on somebody else or something else are people that actually care about others Mm. so if you experience any kind of guilt about how anything you did do or didn't do is has affected anyone else one thing we know for sure is that you care about how other people are affected by things. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense first to know that if you're feeling guilty, you can at least get that you have a level of compassion and sensitivity and caring about others that um, would explain why you're feeling guilty. People who don't have those things wouldn't feel guilty ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one thing to know. Um, and um, so guilt is designed to make it so that things are things haven't hurt other people. And it brings somebody to mind that I haven't thought of in a long, long, long time. But a lovely gal, and she came to see me, and one of the things I noticed was that her moving her hands was incredibly painful to her. They hurt very much when they were just resting, and if she tried to use them, 
then they hurt much worse. Mm. And 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 I said, um, we can maybe do some things to get your hands to feel better so that there's not that terrible pain. And she said, oh. And, and I said, well, would would it be all right with you if if we did some things to cause your hands to not be caught? I mean, imagine that kind of crippling pain like that. And she said, no, it wouldn't be all right. Mm. Uh, why not? She said, because I did something that really betrayed my husband's trust in me a number of years ago. And I don't deserve to be out of pain. Wow. Well, so we worked that out and through. And she got it to where um, she no longer thought it was important to continue to have this debilitating thing causing her hands to be uh, immobilized any longer. She, she, in other words, the guilt that was making, I'm not saying the guilt is what caused the pain, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that the guilt wouldn't allow us to do anything to get rid of it. Right. Until we got rid of the guilt. Then the, she was ready to get rid of the pain. Were the hands kind of serving as like a reminder? Like, I feel like some people. I don't know. They use guilt know. as like a reminder to not do something again, thinking that the guilt well, is going to prevent them from doing it again. Putting, yeah, it, it puts a positive kind of edge on it, but it doesn't seem to work that way. Because yeah. um, how many people feel guilty about the last time they did methamphetamine until they begin doing it the next time. Right. Um, so, um, there's like I an example. I remember when I was fighting with, with my body around weight loss stuff mm-hmm. that I could stop feeling guilty about the last crappy thing I ate by eating something else crappy. So true. You know, what's the cure for feeling guilty about the, the, the uh, last night's ice cream? More ice More cream. More ice cream, yeah. No freaking guilt while it's melting in your mouth. Um right. Uh, at least it wasn't for me. That was so so anyway, when the guilt went away, and it did for this girl, and then her hands became um uh useful and she could do things with her hands. Guess what happened to her husband? His life became immeasurably better. She was doing things that were blowing his mind. <laughs> Interesting things, sexual things, fun things, all kinds of things. I mean, if she wasn't rubbing this, she was rubbing that. This guy thought he was freaking dead and in heaven. Um, so when she stopped being guilty about having hurt him, then she did things that were incredibly pleasing to him. So we wanted to grab what was the cause of the guilt, which is her interest in his well-being. And then 
say, okay, well, if what we're really interested in is well-being, I think he's going to have a better life when you can move your fingers. Um, <laughs> there's, um, a, there's an example, John, that you share where um, like animals don't feel guilt, humans do, and how many animals are responsible for wiping out like animal species, like causing extinction and things like that. Can you kind of share that metaphor? Because that one really landed with me when it came to guilt. Well, like humans well, don't feel you know, guilty. I mean, I mean, humans do feel guilty, feel guilty, but animals don't. Yeah, trees don't feel guilty, I don't think, and neither do eagles. Um, and um, they're not destroying the planet. I mean, right. humans are the only life form that feels guilt and shame. And humans are causing entire species to become extinct. Humans are edging into creating climate that makes it uh, the, the earth uninhabitable. Um, right. So I, I'm not thinking that guilt is um, serving others. Um, and it's another preoccupation. Things, yeah, well, that's the, that, the thank you for saying that. I forgot to say that. Yeah, <laughs> so it, if if your husband is driving at about seventy miles an hour and there's an eighteen wheel truck right next to him, and <clears throat> you like your husband, how preoccupied do you want the truck driver to be? Right. Um, right. And we can go from that to. Well, what about if he's about to have surgery? How preoccupied do you want the surgeon to be? Not at all. Well, you might say, well, the surgeon isn't thinking about the thing while he's doing the surgery. And that's good. Mm, that's a good point. But if something would bother you, I believe, at least this is a belief. I believe that if something would bother Joe, if he thought about it, that it's bothering, it's it's sucking energy to some degree, even when he's not thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's only having the effect when it's conscious. I think when it's not conscious, it's still on, but not as much. It's like having a YouTube video in the background. You're like on one tab, yes. but there's a video playing on another tab. And even though you're not, like it could be muted. Maybe you're not exactly on that tab right now. You're very focused on some other window or some other tab, but the video is still playing in the background. There's still these other tabs open. It's sucking power. Sucking the power. It's yeah. Sucking if, the power. If your computer is slowed down and you have like 1600 windows open, that might be why. That's it. Yeah. Yes. And, and it's because these things, and they might not be bothering us consciously, hopefully not. And the reason people don't like to go to therapy is because they don't like to go to therapy and have things that aren't consciously bothering them start consciously bothering them. Mm. Wait, expand on that for a second. Well, okay. So you're not thinking about this. And I say, um, hey, did you ever really feel disappointed in something that you thought your mother was going to do and didn't do? Mm -hmm. Uh Oh, yeah, there was. Oh, 
well, tell me about it. What didn't she do? Well, it was my birthday, and she didn't remember. Really? How, how old were you? Oh, nine years old. She didn't remember my birthday? Oh. Well, how are you doing, by the way? Oh, unhappy. What are you unhappy about? I'm unhappy because I'm talking to you. <laughs> and that's exactly what You're I was talking me think about. about my 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 mother forgetting my ninth birthday, which I haven't thought of since I was ten, and I'm now thirty-five. And what? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I was so talking about. Yeah, in the beginning and when I talked about my session. Yeah, when I talked about my I, session, my couple session, and how things were brought up that weren't bothering me that I thought were clear. And then it like created a whole bothersome around it. And then I left the session feeling really resentful. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like that was not right. in my conscious awareness. It didn't have to be. I was fine without it for that moment or, you know, just to get through life until. Now would... your therapist would argue in, with that though and say, well, it wasn't bothering you consciously, but it, it was, was bothering, bothering you yeah. unconsciously. And I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I would but too, I don't think for the sure. Solution, but I don't think the solution is now let's make sure it bothers you consciously too. Right, without clearing it. Yeah. Like it's okay to bring it up for clearing, but then don't leave people open with no solution. Clear it. Yeah, that makes Clear sense. it. And that's what happened to you. Something wasn't bothering you, and then it started bothering you, and then... It kept bothering you. And you wondered, I wonder how this is supposedly helpful to me. Right. Um, but you know what? It's not hard to convince people that that is helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just say, well, Catherine, I mean, do you really expect that something that's that deep is going to get better? automatically easily without any effort without it having any effect on you or or are you bright and courageous enough to go over these things in order to in the long run have a better life mm -hmm. so, so good we so can convince you that it really is good for you to be involved in a process that makes you feel really bad and i would tell you that there are a hell of a lot of people involved in processes with therapists with coaches with metaphysical healers with what have you where they're going through some agonizing stuff um and believe well this is the price mm -hmm. that a courageous, intelligent person is willing to pay in order to eventually mm -hmm. have a better life. And um, so very, very bright people buy into that it's very reasonable to feel very bad if that's on the way to feeling better. And you got to process that stuff out. And, 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 and if you're not willing, if you lack motivation, if you're not brave enough, well, then you're not going to get better. So that's not hard to convince people of, but I don't think 
but that's a useful way for me or you to be thinking any longer. I think that, um, I mean, we're not phobic of somebody having uh, a, a feeling that's troubling them. It's just we don't think causing people to have troubling feelings is is in and of itself the solution to them. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Um, let's let's dive into grief because I know you and I can go forever. Literally, we could do like a seventeen part podcast. <laughs> but um, let's let's kind of start to wrap this up and let's go into grief because I know that grief is something that is. Um, a special topic to you, especially with the release of your new book, Grief is Not Sacred, which that statement alone can totally throw people off, upset people, piss people off. They're like, what do you mean grief is not sacred? What the hell does that mean? Can you speak on grief, please? And what you mean by grief is not sacred? Um, when I started looking over what people were writing and reading about grief, I noticed that the one theme that all of the writing seemed to have was that it's okay to not be okay. Uh-huh. Um, and, 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 and then there were things that defended not being okay and saying um, you are grieving because you are because of love. Your grief proves your love. So it's not only okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to be okay. Because mm-hmm. if you are okay, then that means you're not even a loving person. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I was noticing was going on in terms of the way people were, um, uh, addressing this issue around grief that, that, um, that we support people who are grieving by, we support the grief, we support we, we we encourage the the experience and expression of it um and see it as a a necessary thing to go through and if you don't go through it you'll pay a big price for not having gone through it and it's 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 something you have to go through if you're human and if you're loving and especially um, for a lifetime too for a really, really long time. For a really long time, particularly if it's around certain sort of situations like death of a child, sometimes death by things like um, uh, crime, murder, um, uh, what have you. And there are groups of people who meet regularly uh, to support each other's grieving because what they have in common is somebody they loved was murdered. Um and I'm glad that people have support, but 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 I want the support to not just be permission to feel crappy. Yeah, uh, I, I'd like to be able to actually cause the pain to go away. And I think that that's possible. And that's what I was addressing in this book. Grief isn't 
sacred, um, uh, it's okay to have this pain go away. Your because pain, the con- connection stays, it, right? Pain goes away, yes. but it's about how you feel even more connected to this person who's no longer here with you today because the pain is no longer preoccupying your mind. You can just be in the connection of this person and think of the great memories you've had and the love that you've shared. And you can think about this person in a way that doesn't involve constantly feeling pain. Well, maybe not feeling any. Right. Maybe not feeling any. Maybe feeling joy and laughter and fun and gratefulness for experiences that have been acquired. Um, but, But I know, I've learned that in order to get people out of I, I know that there are certain kinds of pain that people are absolutely okay with being eliminated. Mm-hmm. For instance, if, if, if you go to the dentist and, 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 and you say, I have terrible pain in my tooth, and she says, oh, well, we can stop that pain, uh, and and there are no negative side effects to stopping it. But I, I can make the pain stop if you want. Yeah, hell yeah. Of course, we'd say yes. yes. So there are things that people are absolutely ready to be um, free of. Like that. And then there's things that people aren't so ready to be free of. One of them is resentment. Um, Another one is jealousy. And another one is grief. Right. So true. So what we have to do first is have it be okay to be okay. And in order for it to be okay to be okay, I have to get you on the same page with me that suggests that you being absolutely okay doesn't mean that you are not loving the individual who passed. Because mm. if you think that the only thing that proves the love is your suffering, then for many people, then bring the suffering on. I mean, and how far does it go? It goes to where, you know, they burn the guy's body and the woman's supposed to jump on and burn along with him. So it goes all the way to there. Wow. Um, uh, You know, if you really love him, then jump on his corpse after it's on fire and, uh, and, and so that your body will be on fire with it. Um, wow. That's that that that's, that's way, you know, that's way pro grief stuff. Uh, I'm at the opposite end of that. I think that um, when um, the, you know that our bodies have an expiration point. Um, you know, the, just just like the carton of milk you buy. Uh, it's just. Um, 
you know, I, I was looking this morning for it in the mirror, and I think <laughs> they they printed mine in invisible ink because I checked out every inch of my forehead. Well, there was no little purple thing say it expires on such and such a date. Um, but well, John, but you know, how, you know how I feel. Do that. You know Tell how me. I feel about you never dying. You can't die because we need you around forever. <laughs> I Thank have, you, sweetheart. I have some rapid, quick rapid fire questions to just kind of um, sum this up, bring this to an end for now. How we've, can people... we've only been talking for ten minutes? I know it feels that way, doesn't it? I swear to God. How how can people get certified in RRT? Like, can you tell us a little bit about um, you know where can where do people sign up, and when are your next trainings? Thank you. Um, the purpose of the training is to do this. People, when they train with me, what my interest is, is one, causing that individual's life to deeply improve from inside out. I'm looking to cause her health to improve, her um, um, uh, relationships to be more satisfying, her uh, business to improve. Um, so we look to really make a difference in each individual in the training. I'm looking to cause things to be much better for that person. Secondly, I'd like that person to learn what to say and do to make things better for others. So that when somebody significant for him or just a friend or colleague um, goes over a speed bump or hits a pothole, um, uh, in life, um, he has some. He, he has the words. He has the skill. He has the ability to relate and lift and comfort people he cares about. Thirdly, there are people who are interested not only in doing, experiencing that themselves and being able to do it for their loved ones, but there are people who are interested in making this a career path where they're looking to really have an effect that will significantly improve the quality of other people's lives and they'd like to be compensated for it mm -hmm. um so that's the the other reason it's not the only reason but it's a good reason to take this training because we would teach you how to do something that people would find very valuable and worth compensating you for. Um, so, so take the training because it'll make your life better. It'll make the lives better of people that you that you live with, that you care about, that you interact with, and it opens up a career path where you can do this for people and uh, and get uh, compensated for doing it, so that you can live a, um, uh, uh, a a good life um if you're already um meeting with people making a difference for them and getting compensated for it as as are the people you mentioned in in, in the uh coaching movement mm -hmm. um then what would you want well 
to do it even better. Yes. I recommend this for all coaches. Seriously. Yes. So So you have a training in January, the understanding and utilizing RRT. Rapid rapid resolution therapy, Uh understanding and utilizing rapid resolution therapy. We're going to, that's a um, training that's going to be finished within a month. It's um, only um, four hours a week, uh, and two different two-hour visits, and it's um, uh, 16 uh, hours in uh, total. And then in the um, and that's beginning um, uh, soon. That's beginning in uh, January. And then beginning in February, there'll be a um, even um, more intense and longer course. That's the one on on uh, clinical hypnosis with rapid resolution therapy, and it's a um, even um, more in depth um, um, process of learning. Then, in addition to those things, people who have gone through these kinds of trainings and thirst for still more knowledge and skill are um, are, are open to all kinds of um, uh, different other uh, trainings that we that we offer for mastery and skill building, and we have a number of um, uh, small uh, group workshops coming up uh, for people who are looking to improve their own lives. One of them is going to be addressing um, uh, unplugging anger. Um, uh, one will be on anxiety. One's going to be overcoming social anxiety. One is called um, saying goodbye to bad boys for good, which is moving women um, out of um uh, relationships with people that they think of as psychopathic or narcissistic or abusive or what have you, and um, those are um, those are some of the things that are available. It's all right there on our website, which is rapidresolutiontherapy.com. There's also a group that's open uh, where people address personal issues and. That one I do regularly, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Mondays, uh, and then once during the week and a month at an earlier time. And that group called Solutions is for people who are um, uh, interested in listening to others address their own problems or perhaps addressing their own. Um, and that's a, that I tell people that's sort of the, the shallow end of the waiting pool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you can get quite a bit from that. Uh, or, of course, I, w- I meet with people individually who want to really dive deep um, yes. and make a difference in their their own personal lives. And we generally uh, set those meetings up where I meet with somebody three times. And um, those are things people are um, telling us are. Um, are, are life-changing. Um, life-changing certification takes you know means you got to train in this and then keep training in it and we have a program for people who want to 
achieve um, uh, certification as uh, specialists in RRT. And that takes uh, a bunch of courses and a um, uh, written examination and an oral examination and a, a number of things. We're trying to, you know, have standards high so people who see somebody who has that qualification get um, get some very good um, um, uh, treatment. So we're there looking to um, make a significant difference. We have a nonprofit organization, a 501c3, called Institute for Survivors of Sexual Violence. And there we're um, looking to provide treatment uh, uh, to people who otherwise um, would, wouldn't perhaps have the economic resources to uh, uh, get that. And so that's, that's something else we're involved with. And of course, another way to get involved with the whole thing is just to go to Amazon and pick up one or both of the uh, books that are out there. One is called Life-Changing Conversations. Um, and that's focused on how dramatic change can happen in a single uh, meeting. And the other one is called Grief is Not Sacred. And that's on how people can overcome uh, even traumatic and pathological grief, again, uh, quickly and painlessly. Amazing. I will post all the links in the show notes because I know you just spit out a ton of information. I highly recommend if you're new to Dr. Connolly's world to enter his world through the solutions Monday night calls, because then you're going to get like a really nice intro preview as to how he helps people get unstuck every single Monday night. And um, the training in January, I took this training in August. That's where I got started. I cannot wait for the um, the clinical hypnosis with rapid resolution therapy training. I am so excited about that. And I'm currently on the certification track doing all of my hours, hours and hours of training inside of your membership portal. And it's just been so worth it. So incredible. My students are already benefiting from the shifts that I've had in my life and the new perspectives that I've been bringing into my teachings. So John, I just want to thank you so much for being here with me for another part two of this podcast episode. You have shared so much wisdom, so much information, so many new ways of looking at things that just aren't really heard of or talked about outside of the world of RRT. You've invented such an incredible modality that is game-changing. And I know that Andrea and I, um, I know Andrea definitely, she's on a mission to make sure that every single person knows RRT before you <laughs> transition to the next lifetime. And I'm on the same boat. Like I want everyone to experience this, whether it's with you one-on-one -on -one or someone else who is certified by you um, and trained in it to experience it, or at least at the very least learn about it and utilize whatever they can on themselves from what they learn from you. So thank you so much for being here. Um, you are incredible. You always make me so happy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's great. And you have this magical thing where you shrink time. I start talking to you and a few minutes later, you tell me that two hours have passed. Right. No way. 
Isn't it insane? So I don't know how you do that, but that's, that is so, so fun, so beautiful and lovely. Thank you for, for, for reaching out and bringing me into your world. Oh my gosh, of course. And to the rest of you, I will catch you in the next episode. Mwah. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you absolutely loved what you heard today, be sure to share it with me by leaving a review on iTunes so that I can keep the good stuff coming your way. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra inspiration on Instagram by following at Manifestation Babe or visiting my website at manifestationbabe.com. I love and adore you so much and can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and manifest some magic.